You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. Well, it's the last episode of the year. It's episode 292. 292, 292. There's no and. We say that a lot. We're lazy, but it's not. The and is your decimal point. Correct. So it would be 292 and three-tenths or 21 hundredths. Right now it's 21 hundredths because the show has just begun. What? But two hours from now, it will no longer be 21 hundredths. It's not 21 hundredths. 21 hundredths is like this. That would be it. Like it's not not much, (laughs) man. It's episode 292. I already said that, but whatever. It's the end of the year, and I've given up on everything. You know, usually the last week of the year, it's pretty mild, pretty kicked back. I don't often work, uh, or if I do, it's a couple hours a day because everything's so quiet. Not this year. Nope. Fucking either. busy as hell this week. Uh, pretty damn busy. <laughs> but I'm working from home because there's like no one in the office and the meetings that I usually go in for have been canceled. So doesn't mean I don't have work to do. Lots of things have been canceled, including football. Oh, I see what you're see trying what to I do. Just I, I see what you're trying to do there. Learn how to host and transition. See what I did there. So the Hawaii ball was canceled. But hold on. Oh, oh, hold on. You doing that, like, I would get yelled at if I did that because that's not the first thing on the list of notes. No, it's not. And so Nobody when I would yell at you. When I when I mix up the note order, no, it's not when you mix up the note order. It's when there's things on the notes and you just it decide not to go through them. And then I'm like, well, what about this thing that's on here? And that's you're like, no, I've decided we're not doing that. That's usually a time thing, actually. So anyway, anyway. now that we've completely ruined the smooth transition, yeah, that was a good how do you decide the time thing when it's the first two minutes of the episode? Because uh, it's usually not the first two minutes of the episode when I make those decisions. Like we had a couple weeks ago, we had a thing about Sean's car. Just and ran out of time. I just, I just knew there wasn't going to be enough time. That's why I'm running the thing over here. Because you guys will keep going with the guest for two hours, and I'm like, uh, no, we got to cut that shit off, guys. Right. You got to have your train wreck director. Yeah, sure. it's on his desk. Oh, it's, he has it in the corner yeah. of his desk. That's awesome. Good. There's more room in there. So anyway, uh, back to cancellation. So Hawaii Bowl canceled. Military Bowl canceled. Fenway Bowl canceled. <laughs> Arizona Bowl canceled. I never even heard of any of these bowls. So there are a million bowls uh, in terms of the NCAA football. I've heard of the Rose Bowl. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a really so the the reason why I brought this up is Maya and Tucker. Your list is incomplete. Your list is incomplete. The Holiday Bowl was canceled today. Oh, was it? It Like hours, like two hours before it was supposed to start, the game was canceled because one of the teams did not have enough defensive linemen to compete because of COVID. And so they're on their way to the Rose Bowl right now. Yep. Yeah. So the Rose Bowl is Utah, uh, University of Utah and Ohio State will be a really good game. um, But because so this, this is an interesting thing about college football. So um, a lot of college athletes, especially really good ones that are going to schools like Ohio State that tend to turn out a lot of NFL pay, play, players, um, for bowl games in a year that they decide to go NFL eligible, meaning they're going to sign up for the draft, they're going to go to the combine, they're going to have the NFL scouts watching them, a lot of times, unless they're in a playoff or a championship-type game, so like used to be just one championship game in all of BCS football. Now there's a little playoff where there's a couple bowl games that go to a final bowl game. 
Um, but if they're not involved in that, especially in lower bowl games, so for instance, like the military bowl, if they're in the military bowl, star players might say, I'm not going to play because I don't want to injure myself and ruin my prospects of going to the NFL. Or the Fenway Bowl. In the case of the, the Rose Bowl, four starting players for Ohio State have said that. The Ohio State? Yeah, the fucking douchebags at Ohio State. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what happens. Like, if Utah creams them, there's always this thing above their head. Well, yeah, like four of the guys that normally start didn't play. Well, that's not our fault, right? You know, Ohio State should be able to be better than that. They're going to get their asses kicked anyway, so I'm fine with it. Uh, we did that in the Sugar Bowl when we were undefeated and just demolished Alabama. No one thought we could do that either. I think we were huge underdogs in that game. That was a lot of fun, that game. But, yeah, maybe the Rose Bowl will get canceled from COVID. I haven't heard anything about yeah. it. Chances are you won't hear anything about it. It'll be like the Holiday Bowl. You won't hear anything until, like, two hours yeah. before. When everyone's lined up outside the door already. There's too much money involved. Um, well, that, that was the little article I was reading about this said that the organizers are scrambling. Yeah, well, a lot there's a there's a bunch of bowl games outside of that that have already replaced teams because the teams weren't going to have enough players they were going to have to cancel, so they just straight up replaced the teams and just said different teams coming to this bowl. So not only are the bowl games huge money because they're they all have big television contracts, they have tons of advertising dollars. I mean, they're sponsored like the the Rose Bowl I think is sponsored. I don't remember the Holiday Bowl was sponsored by. Uh, Petco, I think, or something. They have huge corporate yeah. sponsors. The Rose Bowl is usually one of the biggest. Yeah, it's and oftentimes it's in the playoffs because if the Pac-12, it's the Pac-12 champion yeah. against the big, I think usually like the Big 12 champion if they're both going to be in the playoff race. Anyway, a little upsetting, um, but who knows what's going to happen uh, people-wise. Sony PlayStation has replaced AT&T as the sponsor of the Rose Bowl. There you go. So Sony is so I know That's a big deal. I know the, the U did their Disney parade yesterday, I want to say. The players. So that's part of the Rose Bowl is they do a parade through Disneyland. That's part of the tradition. Oh, uh, Usually it's the Rose Parade that's the big tradition. The actual huge parade. I've right, seen right. some stuff no, on right. it because every float is made out of organic roses. material, like roses and oranges. And I'm just saying that, yeah. So the, you did their their Disneyland parade, which means they have no intentions, at least. No, the U's going to play. This is the first time they've been there. They're the Pac-12 champion for the first time in the school's history. Like it's a big game for Utah, so they'll be there. the The reason these bowls are getting canceled is because of COVID. Yeah, what's the new variant called? They keep Omicron. 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 I keep thinking it sounds like Monistat, but it's not Monistat. Jesus. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. Uh, it doesn't sound anything like Monistat. No. Omicron. Monistat. Moni Omni. He's just, he's got a yeast infection. I guess. So, M- mistaken he, for COVID. Summer's Eve. You need some Summer's Eve over there, buddy? Summer's Eve. Do you ever feel not so fresh? Some Vagisil. <laughs> the the Vagisil bowl. <laughs> Sounds like you need a yoni steam. No, the the va- Vagisil presents the uh, the sugar bowl. <laughs> oh my gosh! How are you going to advertise that in between? <laughs> Summer Z prevents presents the sun bowl. Men's football would never allow a woman's product to sponsor them. The fuck no, dude! If they provided the money, no one gives a shit. I don't know what you're going to drop in the players' you're bags, You're a bunch though. of football players with Vagisil on the back yeah, of there. They're definitely going to have, jerseys. like, they don't, they don't put that on the jerseys. They just sponsor all of the stuff. The only thing that goes in. on the jerseys is, like, the rose symbol. Yeah, they get, like, a patch for, like, the Rose Bowl. 
Um, it's not soccer, Julia. Come on. <laughs> the fucking whore out. Every soccer, some, some soccer teams in Europe, like the U.S. isn't a lot, like the Premier League in the U.S., like they're pretty good about just like one shirt sponsor. There, there's some leagues that look like it's Bimbo, <laughs> that look like, uh, Talladega Knights. Yeah. You know, he's like got the Wonder Bread thing. I think this might have been a bad idea. <laughs> but there are some teams, there are some leagues where they have that many sponsors on their so jerseys. Pimped out, like NASCAR. Uh, yeah. So, oh, I got an update, uh, by the way. It has nothing to do with football, um, but I have an update on the mouse situation. Oh, yes. Uh, here in the abode. So, <clears throat> was it Christmas? It might have been Christmas Day. It was the Eve. Was it a year of Christmas? You sent me that text. I think it was Christmas Eve. Yeah. So I, I was, uh, get, I was cooking something. Well, he checked the morning of. Yeah. I didn't see No anything. mouse. I had a conversation with Don about it. And actually, the trap looked like the peanut butter had been taken off of it. And I don't know if it like slid down or the mouse had eaten it. Um, but the trap wasn't set yet or wasn't, uh, triggered yet. So I was like, okay, well, whatever. I'll just leave it alone. Um, and then, uh, a little bit you later, were getting something out yeah, a little of bit later that morning, actually, I was getting something out of the pantry and I noticed, uh, what looked like shreds on the, the pantry, like the, the shelf. Oh, like something chewed up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so I moved so I stuff. Looked, I and looked. He had chewed into the pretzel bag. Yeah. He, he had chewed into the pretzel bag and there were the little shreds from pulling the, and I mean, it's just a tiny little piece out of the pretzel bag and clearly pulled some pretzel out. So it's like, well, I guess I got to get some more traps or I got to place some traps. So we find the extra traps that I bought because I smartly bought two sets of traps, one of which is behind our sink somewhere because I accidentally set it off. <laughs> it's gone forever. Well, I, when I was setting it the first time, I accidentally set it off. Like I was trying to set it and it's just oh, yeah. an awkward place because it's in like a corner cabinet with a lazy Susan and I didn't quite get it and it snapped and fucking flew. And I'm like, well, and the back of our cabinet is off from us looking for that leak that we thought we had. And so I'm like, well, that so gone. there's like a little hole. I'm like, well, that trap's gone. I'm not going to try and dig that thing out. So I'm like, well, I'll just get the other one out. So I grabbed it and I set it anyway. So I'm getting that. I got the and other. Then we put another one in the pantry. So I got the two new traps and uh, I, I'm like, okay, well, I will just pull the trap out of the other place and reset it. Uh, and so I opened up the pantry door, the, the, the lazy Susan door and I'm like, oh, never mind. I'm caught a mouse. So we had one. Um, we think we just had one mouse anyway. Um, we've there was so little, like literally one bite out of some flour, one bite out of some cereal, one bite out of some pretzels, and very little few droppings. So we think it's just the one because the but second trap hasn't even been. I did. So then I set. So I set two more traps after that. One back in the spot where we caught it, and then one in the actual pantry. And. So far, they're still there, except for the one in the Lazy Susan yesterday. Uh, I moved the thing, and one of the there's some stuff stacked there, and one of the corn starches rolled off and uh-huh. like hit the trap, and they both flew. And I was like, "Well, I guess that trap's been <laughs> triggered." <laughs> so second second trap back Two there behind the thing. Down. So well, we'll we'll see. When I tore out the floor of the chicken coop last, so, well, whatever it was two or four months ago, I probably got ten mouse traps that. Had fallen in the floor, or gotten <laughs> yeah. lost, or so I'm sure. Like I'll, I'll keep those traps out a little bit longer and see if anything triggers them. But I don't think there will be. I think we're, I think we're done. I think the the mouse trapping has occurred. I feel bad, like trapping them like that, but. 
That's better than the glue traps. The glue traps are They're horrible. That's fucking terrible. Because they ripped their face off trying to get out, out of it. Or like, sad. I've seen that. We actually had to run over one at work because we didn't know how else to kill it. Like, we were at work. So we just put it in a bag and put it behind somebody's tire and ran over it. It's terrible. Every time Dad cats, catches a rat and it's alive, I'm always like, go take it to a the field somewhere s- yeah. and let it go. The let s- the hawks take care of yeah, him. The, the snap traps are much better because they kill them pretty well, much instantly. Well, and like... So Gina on X96, they have a Christmas tree farm now and they had mice and she let her son set up some water trap where the mouse falls in the water and then treads water until it dies. Like that's so tr- cool. At a Christmas tree farm where tried, they should just fucking live anyway. I tried setting that up, but the rats in our didn't. No, but but then you trap it and it just treads water until it dies. That's really cruel. Yeah. And I'm not about to let trap it live and. Set it free in my backyard. I have to, I have to do live traps around the chickens. Yeah, because they'll just snap the other ones. Because right? they'll snap the others. And we did like we did like the little bear claw type. One of my chickens, sure enough, got out, stepped on it, broke its leg. Stupid chickens. chickens. Chickens are dumb. They are one of the dumbest animals. Yeah, but you know what? They're going to make it through it. So we just have a chicken missing a foot and a chicken missing, missing a wing. Way. It's fine. Is it missing a foot? It's still... No, oh, it's there, but yeah, it's, it's all like, all like Wonko. And so <laughs> sad. You need to make uh, the little cardboard flip-flop for it and tape its fingers down <laughs> so it heals better. That's how you fix broken feet on birds. Whatever. You tape them down onto this little flip-flop-looking thing. This has been the lousiest batch we've <laughs> ever had as far as laying eggs... Because they're old. Do you order your uh, you order your stuff yet? You and you're probably stressing them out, shooting in there all the time. <laughs> I need I need to I need to get get them. Yeah, get them going. Usually, January February is when we get the uh, the the winter batch, and we'll do it in the garage so that by the time it's warm enough to be outside, they're about the right time to go outside. So then you can do your bees. Yep. Then I'm going to get on the bee order don't list. For- yeah, year. don't forget this time. So, any other fun Christmas stories? Um, I mean, killing a mouse is not a fun Christmas story, but it happened. We celebrated Christmas with the iPad. That's true. Cassie and Doran were on the iPad. We just had it set up Christmas oh, Eve and Christmas just Day. Live, just yeah, a, so Christmas we just Eve, we, we set it up and FaceTimed them and did... Nice. We actually did it twice because we did it with my mom, and then <clears throat> Doran got called back to work. So, then when he got back, then we did it again. And then Christmas morning, we just... We had it upstairs and had it hanging from the liquor cabinet. And cool. So I could be part of it. Presents. Yep. yep. Cool. So I did find some interesting um, Highway Patrol stats. So you don't have any fun Christmas stories from your Christmas? Not really. How about you, Julia? Ours was fun. It was low-key, but nothing. She's thinking. So, so obviously So no. clearly I not. just picked out my gift on Christmas Eve. We went to the store and I went and picked it out. Cricket. And then I wrapped it up for myself. You put That's, a bow on it. Yeah, my cricket. That's no fun. Well... I got other rap stuff, but Brighton was like, hey, I know you want cricket stuff, but I don't know anything about it. So here's your budget. Let's run to the store and figure out what you want. So you all waited until Christmas Eve? Did you well, know? he waited till like that day to tell me. Wow. That's a. Uh, it was the day before, but they were about I'm to judging. Close, right? <laughs> I'm you judging. had other gifts and stuff for me. I don't me, care. But... I'm judging harshly. I will tell you, you know, we, we delivered that sub for Santa stuff. Oh, yeah. The uh, the entire back of the CRV, like everything, we laid down the seats. It was completely full. We had to of take gifts. my woofer out. Yeah, it was completely full awesome. of of gifts. Made even more awesome when we got there. Um, so uh, again, mom, dad, four kids, one more on the way. Uh, it was this old house that had been converted into 
It was supposed to be two because it had two street addresses, but it looked like probably f- between four and six units. There were six units. Yeah, and like hers was like in a door going straight down. It's like in a like you walk down an alley and then you turn down another alley and then you walked up some stairs to open the door to walk. Down you walk the down stairs. the side of the house Jacked and then you go through like, like you go through like a, a an entryway that's been cut out that has a door into one unit and then a door downstairs. But you get down there and I bet this place wasn't. 600 square feet it was probably smaller than that so there was like a tiny kitchen and our living like the laundry room and the kitchen were right and a living space that were smaller than this room like is half it, this is it room. downtown yeah yeah downtown area. Ish, yeah and then uh there was two bedrooms um and a bathroom and that was it for oh you six. looked around i tried not to look around i couldn't do it so two bedrooms and a bathroom not big either, none of them. But I get I get clients who buy those and think they're going to flip them quick. No, and they're so chopped up and illegal. And yeah, the, the shit that's going on inside of those things is so bad. I, yeah, I. You got to speak in the mic if you're going to do that. I was just trying to think, like when you're when you're below grade, don't you like have to have like egress windows? Yeah, they didn't have those. I'm per, at least the bedroom that they had. So we. I'm pretty sure we're in the master bedroom. Yeah. They were having us. She's like, just drop them off here. There's no mat. By the way, there's no master. Well, bedroom okay, the like bigger that. bedroom that had the the adult bed in it. Um, she, three of her four kids were gone, and she's like, that's why this works best because I can just have the one be locked away for a minute, and I can close everything up in our room and get it all ready to go. But I, I don't think I saw a window in there. No, not any more than like the little like four inch windows. Yeah. No. So. Totally illegal, illegal rentals. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I don't know. She said it was her grandma's basement, but I don't really buy that. So there's not a way to get from if the upstairs, if it was the upstairs' basement, there wasn't a way to get from. Yeah, and the problem to is, downstairs. there's one exit, one entrance and exit, and that's part of the the thing. You have to have more than that in a in a. Yeah, living. there's a whole list of rules. But anyway, uh, so <clears throat> it definitely was was nice. Goes to a good cause. So that's awesome. There. Yeah, we had a good Christmas. It was low key. I think I stayed in my pajamas the entire day. I did. I know I did. Yeah, I, I put something on, but yeah, kids came over. Not really. You just put a shirt on. I put on basketball shorts. You had basketball shorts on that were your pajamas. I didn't sleep in those. My pajamas. <laughs> my pajamas only include underwear when there are kids staying over. Right, but the red shorts that you wore. For Let's, quote unquote your pajamas. So technically speaking, I have pajamas that I wear outside of the bed chamber because I just sleep in my underwear. Yeah, I sleep in the buff most days. And when there's no one here, it's I just your evening wear. My evening wear. <laughs> I walk around and I walk around in the buff too. So it's our t- tradition. One of the traditions is Christmas pajamas. So Heather yeah. gets every. So I wear those. For Christmas Day. That's one of ours. That's what I did. I wore Christmas pajamas. Christmas pajamas. So. Kids came over. We opened gifts and then played games and chilled and it was fun. We made tamales. Christmas yeah. Eve. We had uh, my sister and her husband over. Holly came over. My parents came over. And we did our gingerbread challenge and we did our we do our own little mini Thanksgiving dinner. It's a Christmas Eve dinner, but it's basically Thanksgiving to make all the stuff right that wasn't done correctly on Thanksgiving and <laughs> good. No dry so turkey. I, I brined the turkey, you know what I mean? Because we had Thanksgiving. Because you got to make it. So we had, yeah, all the, the good stuff. So it was fun. It was low key though, like nothing. Yeah, it was kind of nice for us, like, because we did, 
the Christmas stuff in the morning way later than I like. We didn't start until like almost 10, uh, which is not my preference. Uh, and then by noon, Sean and Don left to go to Bountiful and Bree's mom left and it was just Bree and I for the rest of the day. Pretty oh, that much. was kind of nice. It was really nice. It was. We, we made... watched uh, one of the best Christmas movies ever made, Die we Hard. We watched Die Hard and Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2, not as good. Not even no, close. No, but I still wanted to watch it. And we made tamales, which we just partook of tonight we again. we watched some other dumb Christmas movie after that. No, it wasn't dumb. Even Sean said it was good. She, You guys were all making fun of me. And then like a quarter of the way through it, she's like, Mom, this is kind of good. And then... It was still a dumb Christmas movie. It wasn't dumb. It was cute. Mm-hmm. That's what you would say about all 15 of those Hallmark one meme. Disney movies. Nah, just a movie on Netflix we found. So, gotcha. Uh, anyway, uh, you were saying, though, oh, yeah. Christmas so, was so a busy December weekend. December 24th yeah. to December 26th, the Highway Patrol, they always release stats all the time. But it surprised me, but it didn't, I guess. 608, 608. <laughs> Speeding tickets. That's a lot. It's a lot of speeding tickets. And this is the highway patrol, so this isn't surface roads. This, this is, is freeway. This is the freeways. 40 seatbelt tickets. Which are secondary tickets. 21 speeding over 100 miles an hour. You know what, though? Look, for anyone that has dro- drove or true. driven, uh, especially south of the Wasatch Front. That's true. You get down there and, like, beaver, and there is nothing. There's nothing, and you're, you do. You just go. And I guarantee that's where most of those came from. Is that and even stretch, without, like, trying or thinking you're speeding? That stretch from, like, Nephi. Oh, it might have been in Nephi, because those fucking cops in Juad oh, County, man, they nail a lot of people for speeding. That's where Cassie got nabbed. It seems like the long stretches you don't see. Yeah, as but many. like, like once you get past Nephi, like going through Scipio and Beaver and Fillmore, basically all the yep. way down to Cedar City, there's nothing. Forty-five minutes to an hour in between cities, in between tiny towns. They're not nothing. cities. Yeah, and it's real, and it's straight. It's just yeah. dead straight the whole way. So yeah, two hundred nine crashes, which that's kind of a lot. Well, we had the snowstorm. But that's true. And when, like, so what, what day was it? We had the really bad snowstorm. Was that the twenty? That wasn't the twenty fourth. So that was, it rained a lot on the twenty fourth and the twenty fifth, and so there was no snow left on Christmas. Just a bunch yep. of half dead grass. The piles, you know, where you the, like the, the corner where the dirty the, black. Well, it wasn't dirty black because the rain washes the dirty black off, but you still have a little. But pile. like the corners of our yard, you know, where you right. have like the sidewalks and stuff, so you pour. You pile more but there. But then on the 26th, we got snow again, right? So that would explain some of the crashes, yeah. but... And 21 all. DUIs. That was lower than I anticipated. Yeah, I don't think Christmas is a big drinking holiday, you know... It was for me. <laughs> it's Well, but you know what I mean? Like, the bars aren't open on Christmas right. Day. That's a Christmas Eve and day after Christmas sort of thing. Thanksgiving, actually, I think is a, a bigger chance to see DUIs, especially right. the, the night before. So along with the snow, though... Uh, just as a side note, avalanche, the avalanche threat, and they've got, I don't know if there's color coordinated or number coordinated, but I saw the avalanche report this morning. And it is like, but sky. you don't know if it's color or number coordinated, but you looked at it this morning. Well, it was not a pie graph. Yeah, it's really high, but it is super high because we've had the cold, the rain, then it heats up and then it snows again. But up in the mountains down here, it all melts and goes away. Up in the mountains, it gets a crust on it. I'm looking at a map, and it's red, yellow, and gray. So color coordinated. So we're really high 
pretty yeah. much everywhere. Well, and it's going to get worse because we've got the, like the snow squall last night. We've got the, the storms today, uh, into like the next three days essentially. But what we had happen around Christmas because it was relatively dry and the sun was out, especially on Christmas day, like what you said, instead of melting, it does melt, but then it refreezes because yeah. it's so cold. And so it's it is, just this thin layer. It's a, it's a thin layer of ice. And that breaks really easy. Yep. And so when you get another foot or two of snow on top of that, all it takes is someone. It just slides right off the ice. Yep. And then you just. So we ensure that. Um, Avalanche control. The, well, we ensure their school part. The state ensures the liability for when they actually do avalanche control. But we ensure the side where they go, where people go and learn how to test for avalanche, how to check the back backwoods and stuff like that because they just do all of that they don't actually go to the backwoods to do yeah, it don't so. don't it's backcountry and don't whatever don't backcountry ski right now it's really yeah. not a good idea and they are they did announce that they're doing the cannons the avalanche cannons so stay out of the back country. cannons meaning it's just like artillery the military uses they shoot dynamite into the side of the mountain yeah and they the they have their scientists or some eighteen-year-old kid. I don't know. Whatever. It sounds better. If it's a I mean, it's it sounds like it's a scientific process. <laughs> it's just like this area is going to be a danger. Let's shoot some dynamite up there. They take core samples that determines like how the snow is set up and the likelihood of of collapse or slide, and then they determine where it would. They try and determine where it would best be to to do the cannon to actually make the avalanche be to happen controlled. when it's controlled. So that means so there's no one there, yes. and the the thing is, sometimes they do the controlled avalanches, and they just end up bringing boulders down with them onto yep. the road and stuff. That well, happens. that's why that's why, and every year there's some skier in the backcountry when they're doing that that gets caught in it. So just because they tell people not to go out there, and then somebody's like, "I'm still gonna go out there." Stay on the trails if you're gonna be skiing because the the ski slopes themselves are very regulated. They're out there constantly they're groomed, grading, yeah. So. We, we we ensure the people that do the Ogden stuff now. Snow Basin? Is that what's no, up there? No, like the Ogden, like just like the Utah Avalanche only actually does Salt Lake, and they train people for the rest of the state. Ogden oh. has its own thing. Oh. So, yeah, just be careful. Weber County Avalanche Control, maybe. No, uh, it's Ogden. Ogden City Avalanche Control. I can't remember the name of it. We just <laughs> did it this year, so it's, I'm not super familiar about it, but it's definitely Ogden. It's the O-Town. They're not very good at avalanche control in Ogden. O-Town. It's too much drinking and whoring going on up there. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I know wrong. Al Capone won't visit. Julia participated in the drinking and the whoring when she lived up there. No, I was the only one in the sorority that didn't. Didn't drink? I've never drank. Oh, so you did the horn? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out which part of it you didn't didn't participate. Neither. In. I just never went to the parties. You weren't very popular then, were you? Uh, it's the last week of the month <laughs> and the last week of the year, so that means we are doing our historic Utah and the stuff. last episode this uh, year. Yeah, so we're gonna do our historic, uh, historically significant Utah. It's gonna be the last one uh, of this series. Um, next year we're going to do something real special. Um, we are, I'm just going to tell people what tell we're going to do because I think it's worth knowing. Yeah. So next year, our, our, uh, monthly thing that we're going to do at the end of each month is sometime during the month, uh, we will as a group all go visit someplace. Um, so it could be Hobo Zoo. It could be 
probably not something like Topaz Mountain that we've already done, but we might do like, we're going to go up to Capitol Reef State Park. We're going to go to the Timpanogos Cave. We're going to go down to Zion or, you know, to Arches or something like that. We're all, we're going to, together. Maybe we'll take a ride on the train that uh, Tanner talked oh, about. Yeah. So we're going to visit. Individually, I think we have visited most places, but as a group, we're going to visit places. And then at the end of the month, when we do our month end, we'll be able to, to give firsthand report. Yeah. And so we'll probably record a little bit of stuff while we're there, but we want to experience it, not just like be douchebags. Um, you know, I, we don't want to be those guys that are at the concert looking through their fucking phone the whole time at the concert. I realized that for Christmas, I didn't take one picture because I was involved in just enjoying the, I guess it's kind of sad though, but I'm that way at events I, i'm not very good at taking pictures because i'm usually just just trying to be in the moment and so that's it. that's the point like we're going to try and do that we'll capture a little bit of audio in the moment probably but not a lot um because i think we just want to be able to then talk about it so uh that's something to look forward to um it's gonna take a little more planning on our part um because we can't just like hurry up and do research the last couple days before the show <laughs> We'll have to plan these things out. So we already have the first month's planned. Uh, we're excited for it. Um, but this this week, uh, this month, and this year, we're going to end up with uh, the uh, Kennecott Copper Mine or Rio Tinto uh, Energy Solutions or, or whatever. Bingham U- Copper Mine. Bingham Copper Mine or it's, the Utah Copper Company. Got so many names. It's been a the lot. The Copper Mine. Yeah, but it's the giant open pit that you can see from, from outer space. space. Basically, the west side of the Salt Lake Valley is an inverted mountain. Yeah, so you have the Ochre Mountain Range, and there's a chunk of that that is, it's really actually, it's kind of cool. Like, if you've never seen it, when you're driving in the south end of Salt Lake Valley, so roughly 90th south is probably the, like 90th to 123rd is kind of like the the big swath. It's like two and a half miles wide. It's a, it's a huge hole. But as you're driving, you look at the side of the mountain, and it looks like the side of the mountain is green year-round. And that green is actually the oxidation of, of the different minerals, in particular copper, that has been tossed over the edge. It's just the small particulate and mixing with the dirt. To me, I always thought it looked like a volcano. The pit is over a half mile deep, 2.5 miles wide, and covers 1,900 acres. Yeah, it's it's very, very large. It's so big that you can see it from outer space. So people on the space station and in shuttles can see it with their naked eye looking at the Earth. That's a big freaking hole. It is. And if you, you know, the flight paths actually fly pretty close to over mm-hmm. it so that you can, if you are sitting, so it's the flight paths coming back from like the southern part of the United States, if you're on the left side of the plane, you get a perfect view of the copper mine most of the time. Uh, and sometimes when you're flying out of Salt Lake, when, when they're flying, yeah, when they, they're taking off yeah. towards the south, they don't always, sometimes they take off towards the north. In fact, they usually do, I think. But anyway, if you go south, sometimes you can catch it on the right side of the plane, but not often because they're usually banking and grabbing altitude and it's hard so to it's, see. Yeah, you're, the, your plane is but you're, tilted. You're descending usually coming, coming in from the south. And so if you're ever, if you're ever coming in from the south, if they're, if they're landing, uh, going north, then, then you'll see it. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool. It's a sight to behold. And if you want, you can go up there. The visitor center is open again and, and go visit it. But it's got a lot of historical significance in the state of Utah. It is a huge mine. Um, to give you perspective, 
It is the second largest producer of copper in the United States. I I went and found the numbers on this, uh, and it's actually second to uh, Morency Mine in Greenlee County, Arizona. Oh, yeah. Um, they produce uh, about 5.7 million metric tons uh, of copper. Oh, wait, no, that's Chile. Sorry. Uh, the Greenlee is double what we produce, and we're producing... Uh, hold on, I'm going to look at the number again. So we produce 204,000 uh, uh, 204, tons uh, of copper a year, roughly. The one down in Greenlee County, Arizona, produces 475,000. However, we it's a lot more than just copper that comes out of there. Copper is the true. main thing. <clears throat> copper is the main thing, but they also produce gold, silver. What the hell is the name of the other metal that's that's uh, a big product? Uh, let me look it up. And then there's uh, an acid that comes off of as part of the the purification process. There's yeah, a type of sulfuric uh, eight acid. Eight million pounds of molybdenum. Which is a molybdenum? Yeah, I don't know how to fucking say the word. <laughs> it's a weird. Hold on, let me just look it up again. <laughs> it's a, it's another element that gets produced there. It's a silvery white metal. So, molly molly denim is probably how you say it. I bet the B is uh, silent. It's a silver silvery white. It's uh, forty two number element forty two on, on the periodic thing. Blah blah blah. So yeah, they're pulling a lot more than just copper. Yeah, yeah. So. Shall we go back to way back to the beginning? So I didn't realize this when, when I kind of brought it up. You guys both knew this, but I did not realize this. So Kennecott is actually named for Kennecott, Alaska. Yeah, but let's go back before that. So you the, want to go back? The actual discovery of copper in the mountains. Okay. The reason why Bingham is a name that you hear a lot, and it's referred to as the Bingham Mine or Bingham Copper Mine or Bingham City, is because in 1848, Sanford and Thomas Bingham discovered copper while they were grazing cattle in the canyon up there. And they, Yeah. Did you know that that molly denim stuff is an essential mineral found high in concentrations in legumes, grains, in, and organ meats? So I wonder if they use it as like a vitamin? Well, it, it activates enzymes that help break down harmful sulfites and prevents toxins from building up in your body. So it must be used as a, in a vitamin form or something. It's often confused with letters, apparently. I don't know. It's a... It, I don't know. That's just. But apparently, exposure to it can cause headache, fatigue, loss of appetite, and muscle and joint pain. Yeah, I don't know. It's just some metal that they it's just, get out of there. I had <laughs> I had never heard of it before and did not know that we produce. I knew about the silver and the gold that it comes out of our copper, hole. silver, gold. But it's a lot. We do a lot of the molly molly <laughs> denim. It's what did I say it was? Eight million pounds a year. Uh, it's it's a significant number. It. Pales in comparison to the 250,000 tons of copper per year they're pulling out of that right now. Molybdenum. 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 Whatever. It's a dumb Greek. Molybdenum. So, yeah, 19, 1848 is when it's settled. That, that's when they find out there's copper. The thing is, in 1848, no one gave a shit about copper, really. Uh, and honestly, they didn't give a shit about copper for another... 50 years, probably. And the, the Mormon church discouraged it anyway because they didn't want mining towns in their state. Yeah, because assholes. Bad influence. They changed that real fast. There's a lot of fucking mines here now. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that comes in the early 1860s. <laughs> so, yeah, in 1863, 
uh, is when the first mining occurred up in, in the Bingham, what we now know as the Bingham Mine. Um, but, what uh, we call Kennecott. Yeah, what we call Kennecott. Here locally, that's just what we call Kennecott. It's Kennecott. Um, in fact, when we were talking about this, Chris was saying to look up the Rio Tinto mine, but I hadn't ever heard it called that Rio Tinto owns it, but I don't think that they have ever called it that. Um, because we all still call it the Kennecott mine because Kennecott corporation still. Well, and Kennecott corporation was the controlling force well, for a right. long time. And Rio Tinto, the Rio Tinto mine is in Melbourne. And the Rio Tinto PLC is based in London. So yeah, actually, well, uh, Rio Tinto's a gigantic yeah, fucking conglomerate. Company. Did you know, by the way, when it comes to copper, Chile is the number one producer yeah. of copper in the world by Chile. a lot. Like they they are at uh, uh, 5.7 million metric tons a year out of Chile. The U.S., which is fifth on the list, is at 1.2 million. How do they mine it in Chile? Um, in Chile. Is pretty it open the, pits? Pretty much the same way. Open pit mining is a is a big way to do it. I think open pits, if you have one, it stays, but they've outlawed them. Like, you cannot now start a new open pit mine. Yeah. Well, they've actually made our mine a historic site. Yeah, in, in the U.S. Yeah, other countries. You can do countries. whatever the fuck you want in other countries and strip mining. Yeah, in the U.S., ours is... Open pit strip mining is something that, that the, is, it's really just, just devastating. Because all you have to do is take a look at the west side of our... Yeah, I mean it's it's weird because from the outside it kind of looks pretty until you realize why it looks like that. Turn the mountain completely, completely inside, inside out. out. Um, so anyway, let's keep going with the history. Okay. So, so let's jump. So we're in the eighteen seventy. Well, let's okay. Let's let's do this. So eighteen seventy three. So a step back then, eighteen sixty eight. The first the first wagon loads of copper are now coming out of the canyon in the, in sixty eight. Yeah, and there are a handful of people that get really rich off of it. Most don't. Nineteen six or eighteen sixty eight though. It's a pain in the ass to get stuff in well, and out because you're doing wagon loads with horses and shit on the side of a mountain. It's so it's it's a pain. So eighteen seventy three, uh, Bingham and Camp Floyd branch of Utah Central Railroad is completed. So the Utah Central Railroad now goes through Camp Floyd, which we've talked about a number of times, and goes right past Bingham. It goes right past Bingham, which that changes everything because now they can get heavy equipment in and out. They can start moving the the materials in and out. They put together the smelters and Bingham Canyon uh, now becomes a prosperous mining region. So one thing to keep in mind is up until really about 1890, copper was not uh, used oh, yeah. for a lot of things. They made the whirly th- wind things out of them, you know, like the little roosters that you oh, see. Oh, yeah. little you windmills. Know? Pennies. Uh, pennies. So, the, <laughs> but here's a, here's a thing, like, in the late 1800s, there's a, there's, it's, I'd like to call it an invention. It's really a discovery. It's electricity. Harnessing. Right? Electricity. And harnessing electricity and de- building devices that utilize electricity really starts to inflate the, the need for copper dramatically because even still today, over a hundred years later, like almost a hundred, what is it, 130 years later, copper is still one of the, primary resources that we use for everything that has to do with electronic. And it's still valuable enough that, that people will break into buildings and steal yeah, copper. Yeah, buildings oh, yeah. and all the copper. If you had a building under construction, they'll come rip out the copper. Uh, all the plumbing. Well, just like vacant buildings. So um, to ensure a vacant building, you have to have all of these things in place. And almost every time we have had a vacant building broken into, 
it's because they were stealing the copper. Mm-hmm. They were taking all of the copper out of it. Sometimes they catch them and they've just got it in this big, huge pile on the ground and they they just can't run with it. So they have to leave it. So uh, 1920s, we get into the 1920s. Bingham is now a full-fledged city and has over 15,000 residents. Yeah, and so that is basically right at the base of the mountain. And it is probably one of the worst, most precarious locations you could possibly be because it is literally... I, I do want to take a step back because one of the things that drew... Sorry, we're skipping around no, a bunch fine. of guys. In 1903, this is one of the things that really uh, sped up uh, copper mining uh, and a lot of mining in general. And uh, that was the invention of the steam shovel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so instead of hand-picking copper, you now had a, a, a tool driven by steam that was... It's essentially a jackhammer. Well, and in so, one scoop of that, would do in two minutes what 10 guys would do in an hour. I was actually thinking about this the other day, but I had a book. Well, I think my uncle did anyway, when I was little and it was about this steam shovel and the invention of the steam shovel and him trying to do as much when the, when new, you know, shovels came out where he was trying to build and he dug so fast and so hard and to do it and made everything so square, he forgot to leave himself a way out. And so then he became the steam the heater for the building because he was a steam shovel. But those are the kinds of things that were just coming out then. And that was a new fangled piece of equipment. So Daniel C. Jack Jackling, um, he got really rich on copper in Utah. Um, and he is actually known as the uh, father of Utah copper mining, mostly because of the way that he, uh, decided that we should mine it, which is the open pit mining. Yeah. (laughs) Which to be honest, it is a whole lot faster to get it out open pit than it is yeah, going in the ground. Just strip out the surface and start filtering for the metals you want. Well, and Jeremy was talking about um, the precariously placed um, cities. And as they were doing this, there were other smaller cities around the pit um, where miners lived that slowly just got buried. They just abandoned them and buried them as they pulled the inside of the mountain and, and put it on the outside. Well, and he, I mean, this is kind of the precursor to solution mining, which he also had a heavy hand in where part of the open strip mine is they take all this material and they basically float all of this stuff on water and chemicals to get the copper and the minerals that they want. And everything else goes out to a tailings pond. And so, like magna in particular, which we're, I think Jeremy was getting into yeah, talking getting into about that. with <laughs> the, the smelting plant being built there. Part of the reason for that is they had a high water level so they could do tailings ponds there. Cause it's right, it's right at the mouth of the Great Salt Lake. So yeah, so there's lots of water and they can, they can send that material down there to process and let the off run go into tailings ponds. So 1920s, um, we become exactly what the Mormon church did not want. A town of 1,500 people with immigrants from Italy, France, Ireland, Great Britain, Japan, and others. Oh, we had, and we had, uh, it, it, talking about all these different, and there were like years that specific groups of people immigrated. Yeah, large and, amounts mind. would come, right. But, and, and so to a point where, I mean, you think of places like San Francisco and New York of having neighborhoods. We had whole towns essentially. So we had Copperfield, which was all the Greeks. You had Highland Boy, which was the, the Southern Slovakians. There was Jap Town. That one's pretty obvious. <laughs> 
That was where the Chinese were, right? <laughs> uh, the, there was Car Fork, which was all the Finns and the Swedes. Uh, there was Frog Town, which was all the American miners. Like these are all areas in the early 1900s of the Salt Lake Valley. Like these are little towns that came to be because of the immigration and the need for cheap labor in these mines. Right. Which is part of where you get a, a fairly wide melting pot of culture in Utah. We joke about how white we are, but the reason that we have a big Asian influence, a big Greek influence, like we have a really, really big, big Greek, Greek influence, influence, a lot of uh, Slovakian and, and decent uh, Italian. Yeah. And, and we have, you know, we have a big Hispanic influence and that was a big part. So in 1912, there was a big strike and that's when the Mexicans came up. Uh, and they, they came up to labor as scabs, essentially. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about Magna first, because I think those started before the strikes. Yeah, so go with Magna, and then we're going to jump to Alaska. Go ahead. Okay, so so, Mag- so Magna was built up when it was, it was well, it, it was originated in the late 1800s, but it was in the early 1900s when it really starts to grow, because they put all of the big... Uh, separation plants. Yeah, they they create the the production mill there. So uh, uh, I don't know the distance is about five miles, I think three miles. Yeah, from, and they just built a rail line basically yeah, that that goes from the actual mine to Magna, right along then, the same mountain ridge, basically. And then at the at the point of the mountain where you where you turn around to head to Tooele, we talked about that last week. They've they've got the, that's where the smelter and is. In, yeah, and in 1906, that's when they built the original electric plant that is there. That power plant is still in existence outside of Magna. That's the big thing that you see is there's a smelter and a power plant, basically that are that are left. And that was hanging on the side of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. literally. And I mean, they were it was a coal fired power plant uh, and and a processing plant. And that was a, I mean that was Magna. That's why Magna exists. Yeah, because it was all of the workers who ran that. And that, I mean, the smelter, that's still today. I mean, it's still in use today. Yeah, it's still their, it's still their primary smelting I, plant. I know I it's been obviously upgraded and changed over the years, but they still melt stuff down, separate out the different minerals and metals. And it's really, it's actually kind of cool if you go up there, um, up by uh, Copperton, there's a certain section of it where you can actually drive under the ramp and you can hear all the rocks like tumbling through it, but it goes all the way down. And, and along the way, it separates. Yeah, it separates different, stuff out. But, but yeah, no, it's pretty cool. So, so yeah, th- that's how we got the starting of Magna. And downtown Magna, we've talked about this before, was where the upper-level management of that operation lived, and the homes around it all grew up around it. And at one time, it was a very desirable place to live. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's the case anymore. Downtown Not Magnus so much, unfortunately. Not one of the worst places in the valley. Uh, I, I, this, I've always thought, like, I've always wondered why Magna's water was so bad. Makes a lot of sense now, because the smelting plant and all the tailings ponds, where's that going to go? That's going to go to the groundwater. And Magna has its own water right. facility. So, and, and all of that is on the side of the mountain. And Magnus sits right, right at the below it. Base of that but that's mountain. that's also the. It's a joke, and it's not a joke about daybreak. So yeah. they build daybreak at the base of the Kennecott Copper and Mine, and it literally was the tailings and, ponds. And it was a for, big part of tailings ponds for years, to the point that if you don't think the grounds poison there, there have been actual lawsuits filed already because there are people that have homes 
that can't even grow grass in their backyard because the soil is so damaged. Yeah. So when I joke about taking a swim in the Ochre Lake and <laughs> kids in daybreak having leukemia really early, <laughs> it's not actually a joke. I, I just, every time I think about it, it has like, Aaron Brockovich, that fucking yep. movie with, with what's her name? Um, Julia, Julia Roberts. Roberts. Yeah. That's on TBS like all the time. So you can just go fucking see it. But that, that movie, that's essentially what it was. Like these, these Procter and Gamble, like PG and E was dumping shit into this water supply for this town. And these people in this town were all getting sick and getting weird cancers. And, and it was, it was 100% about, that sort of thing. And here we have Daybreak, a planned community built on top of literally the shit from the mine. Owned by Rio Tinto, by years, the way. A hundred years of the mine work, and now there's a fucking planned community there? You tell me that that's not going to have some issues uh, down the line. I mean, we already know there's issues there. Like I said, there are places in Daybreak, there are whole neighborhoods that cannot grow grass. <laughs> And they've, they've actually filed lot. They brought in soil. They still can't grow grass. So there's definitely something. There's issues. I wouldn't want to live out there is all I'm saying. Well, and then, and then, you know, talking about those old towns, like Bingham, Bingham itself used to be a city at the mm-hmm. base of the mountain. The mine got too big. They had to move Swallowed everyone out. It. So they yep. moved the entire city and buried it. 1972 was the last building to go under. Yeah, I mean that's crazy that this bustling town. I mean this was this was where all well, the miners 15, lived. Fifteen thousand people. Yeah, it was a big community to support this mine back in the 1900s, in the early 1900s. And and I don't remember what uh, what year it was that they decided to go ahead and expand the mine, but that was wild to just say, okay, you guys all have to move because we're going to engulf your homes. Yeah. So let's jump to Kanakot, Alaska, real quick because now this is all going to start okay. to tie in. So. So roughly the same time – well, let's back up. So the original uh, Kennecott Copper Mine was established in 1903, uh, and there was two – And it was owned by the Guggenheims. It was owned by the Guggenheims, so, and it was called something – Guggenheim Kennecott Copper Corporation. And it was originally – there was two explorers out in the 1900s out on, on the Kennecott Glacier – uh, and they come, Jack, oh, see, Jack's, Clarence, Warren, and Jack Smith. They're exploring the Kennecott Glacier and come across this, the, the biggest copper ore, uh, just sitting there, the biggest copper ore, uh, deposit ever discovered. Just still, hanging out on the glacier. Still to this day, just sitting there hanging out. Um, and when they took samples of it, it, it they were 70% pure. Wow. That's pretty pure. Just sitting there on the glacier. Those of you that don't know, like mining, like, that's a really pure sample. Yeah, finding finding something that's one hundred percent pure. Basically, what you're saying is like the the entire sample, like seventy one hundred percent pure, exists in nature. Not not really, not typically. I mean, there's usually yeah, I stuff. Guess you'd have to take the smallest sample ever yeah. to get it at the hundred percent. Because there's going to be other stuff. in Yeah, it. there's always stuff in it. So to be seventy percent pure, just sitting on top of the glacier. Well, which obviously. Thousands or millions of years ago, it turned up, froze, and as the glacier melted, so so uh, J.P. Morgan and several several other um, wealthy families collaborate the Alaska Syndicate, um, and they join ranks with Guggenheim. So it's a conglomerate of very of, rich people, like Rockefeller and everyone else. Uh, and so, and in in 1910, Guggenheim 
merges with there's three comp there's essentially three companies there's the Guggenheim company there's Boston Consolidated Mining Company and the Utah Copper Company and they all form one big company and they keep the Kennecott name right so that so yeah and the Kennecott also owns uh, a pit at this same time they own the one in Alaska the one in Peru and then the one in Arizona I think. yeah there's one in Arizona so and, and so so they at one time, we're all owned by. And and if you look at like the map, a map of copper places in the United States, it's the Rocky Mountains. So there are a ton down in like southeastern Arizona, New Mexico. Um, there's a couple more, more like northwestern Arizona. There's ours, and there's a couple up in like Montana, Idaho area. Um, and then there's one big one in the middle of the U.S. in the in the Ozarks. Um, but otherwise, it's it's pretty much right along the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. Uh, it's so, where those deposits. Yeah, it's where all those deposits formed. are, and then Chile. So it's it's funny <laughs> and kind of doing the research. Um, the railroad that went in, you always hear about the gold rush in Alaska, but this takes place in about the same time, so it wasn't just gold. Yeah, so gold is gold has this, uh, you know, air of like, oh, it's super precious, blah blah blah. But realistically, copper is is just as valuable now. In a lot of ways, because it's it's not as valuable per ounce. But Kennecott in in mining the copper is also pulling a bunch of gold out. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. So so kind of one of the stories that was cool is Steve Birch, who was a mining engineer, was was hired to develop Kennecott in Alaska. Uh, they use dog sled teams in forty below uh, zero weather to haul in entire steamships one piece at a time and reassemble them. To put them together, and then same with the railroad. They, as they're developing the railroad, they're they're bringing in pieces on dog sleds to put it together. Uh, and in 1911, so it took them four years to completely uh, get the railroad so that they could mine it, get it down to the ocean to move it to wherever it needed to go. So uh, at the time, at at the peak for in Alaska, the Kennecott Copper Mine. Uh, Brought workers to Alaska because they had the highest wages of any mine in the lower 48 at the time. There were only 48 states. Um, it worked seven days a week. It was yeah. Alaska wasn't a state back then. That's right. It op- territory. It operated seven days a week, and at the time, so this is back in 1911, it pulled out 200 million dollars worth of ore in 1911. That's so much money. You know, when you think about it, the vastness of Alaska. It has a lot of our natural resources, but it's hard to get to. It's cold, um, and it's not contiguous, and so it's not like it's super easy to even, for the part that does touch land, like you have to go through Canada. And so, luckily, we haven't been able to destroy it as much as we probably could (laughs) have if if it was connected. Uh, and then, so I do want to talk about the 1912 strike because that yeah. was a big, big strike. So this is, um, you know, 1910, 1920, 1930. These are, these are not yet the labor movement, but what you have happening in America, you have a lot of child labor, you have these mining jobs. Um, one of the things that was going on with Kennecott at the time, uh, is the Greeks in particular. There was one guy, uh, Leonidas, uh, Skrillis. Uh, was basically paying, you know, 
paying for Greeks to immigrate into the U.S. and go to work for Kennecott and then charging them exorbitant amounts of money to do that. Basically like, hey, I got you a job. I got you set up. You owe me X amount of money. And also you have to buy from my store. He was a coyote. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of sorts. But really what he was doing was indentured servitude. Which is at the time illegal in the United States at this point. Oh my! That's exactly how my great grandpa. That's exactly how my great grandpa bought all of our family over from Italy. Yeah, and so, (laughs) but this this guy was doing it, and they were really upset by it. Uh, And and there were a lot of other things. The biggest thing is they wanted to unionize, right? Uh, And they they wanted to unionize because that's how you start getting protections is is by doing that. and they failed. Uh, the unionization efforts um, really kind of fell flat. But uh, the the skillerous guy got booted out. Bye bye. Well, and the song that I was mentioning, like that's what that comes from. That's yeah, the sixteen ton song because he owes his soul to, soul to the company store. Yeah, that's exactly what Chris is talking yes. about. So it was so prevalent, like songs, like their songs. You can, I'm sure there are more, but that's just the only one I know of. But what a horrible way to live. You want to go someplace better not only do you have to pay them then you have to slave away for them and you don't actually make money you make you just pay credits that you then pay back to them You're right That's so so uh kennecott mine in alaska opens roughly 1903 uh by 1925 it's at its peak by 1938 completely depleted and they shut the mine down. Up in Alaska? In Alaska. You know we're talking about Utah, right? I know, but but here's now where it all ties in. So the the people who own Kennecott in Alaska merge. i got to get to my little. There's this crazy long line of how this all happened. So let's see. Basically. Jeremy's the, turned the same sorry. three pages mm-hmm. four times. He's now. trying to find okay, it. Like five. Okay, so. um so all right jacqueline and wall founded the utah copper company i didn't write any of this down because i was like i'm sure jeremy will and it's like so fucked up and convoluted like how many company mergers have i know it's insane there's so much so so 1903 jacqueline and wall founded the utah copper company um let's see (coughs) the company started a pilot Started the pilot mill at Copperton with financing from the Guggenheim Exploration. Uh, the Kennecott Mine Company was formed in 1906 mm-hmm. with Robert Kennecott. Uh, a smelter was started in Garfield, Utah, starting the American Smelting and Refining Company. In 1907, the Utah Copper Mill and Magna started operation with the Utah Copper and Boston Consolidation Company. Um, <coughs> 1915 is when Kennecott acquires 25% interest in the company. So this is when, so back. So yeah, keep in mind, in 1910, they merged with Boston Consolidated and Utah Copper. Right. Uh, in 1915, uh, due to the, the cost of the railroad construction in the Alaska mine, Kennecott incorporates with various other finances with and and they acquire the Guggenheim exploration, um, so that so that's under the Chile Utah, and Utah Copper Mine, in which now it becomes the Utah Copper Company and Kennecott. Um, <laughs> it just gets it just anyway it just keeps going and then it becomes the the Bingham and Garfield, and then it becomes the Brady Copper Company. Uh, anyway, 
later. I, I, I don't know. Where did the <laughs> Anaconda Minerals Company come out of? Like, that's just random. <laughs> There's just so many. So really what... So it's during World War II is when things really explode. Uh, the the Bingham Copper Mine produces 30% of the copper used by the Allies. Yeah, a third. A third of the copper produced by the Allies. And this is the point when everything gets consolidated under Kennecott. And Kennecott takes the name for everything. So they either buy out or merge with all of these other conglomerates. These they, different companies that existed. Yeah, they know. take it all. Because because they they closed down the Alaska, they closed down the Portugal, they took the money, and they put everything into Utah at the time. And then in, uh, in the 60s, uh, so we've, we've talked about the mine expanding and everything, um, but by 1963, we'd produced roughly 8 million tons of metal out of that mine. Uh, and then that's when Kennecott decides that we're going to expand the mine. Mm-hmm. And that that's when Bingham and the other town was Lark. Uh, basically, in 1963, they're like, okay, we figured out what we're going to do. Um, all you people that live here, get the fuck out. We're going to continue mining, and you're going to get buried because we don't have any other place to throw this shit. So they dig a bunch of stuff up. They throw it over the side of the hill, rolls down the hill, covers up the towns. And to this day, they still do that. They still take it to the edge and dump it. Yeah. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And from my house, on a clear night, you can actually see the trucks dumping. Mm-hmm. And these are – so I you can – like I know the History Channel did stuff on these. So I you know, I grew up in a mining community in Wyoming um, with lots of different kinds of mines, like solution mining underground, regular like fucking crazy machine-operated mining shit down underground. Also open pit coal mines. Uh, and open pit coal, man, coal mines are just like what they do at Kennecott. And so there's an open pit coal mine. Um, I think it – well, at the time, I think it was a Jim Bridger Coal um, was operating the mine. But uh, lots of mine safety stuff. And so the trucks that they use – like these aren't regular dump trucks, guys. These aren't regular like backhoes and dump trucks and front loaders. The the tires on the dump trucks that they use at Kennecott are like 20 plus feet tall. They're solid rubber. When the tires lose their tread finally, they send them on semi-trailers to get retreaded and they basically just carve new tread into the rubber. Um, these, these machines are massive. They require like a two-story ladder to get into the cab of the truck. <laughs> Yep. Uh, and, and they're, it's crazy because you get into the cab and it's like a normal vehicle, but you've got this fucking, this thing that is 30 to 40 feet tall That's that a, you're sitting It's in. like driving a three story home. Yeah, it's wild. It's really <laughs> crazy. And you, you know, unless you go up close, you don't really understand how big they are. And I think the History Channel has done some specials on these massive trucks and these massive movers, but that's what it takes to do these well, open pits. And then down at the, well, wherever they're digging, so they don't dig just at the bottom. They, no, they dig along the sides and stuff because they, they keep it going. It's like wide. So um, wherever they're digging for the, the day that we... It's week, a spiral that they drive the in and out of. Yeah. It's, it's basically a shovel that's a power plant. Yeah. It's so big that that they assemble it where they're going to be working. And this thing picks up two houses worth of dirt in one scoop. And puts it in these trucks. It's it's massive. And they used to have the visitor center, but then they had the landslide like two years ago. 
that shut it down. I don't think it's reopened yet, but you used to be able to go up to the visitor center. The vis- visitors, visitor yeah, center the reopened. visitor's experience starts at the Lark Visitor Parking Area. You check in there, and then you go up to the Bingham Canyon Mine Was Overlook. Was it 2013 that that happened? I think so. The big one, the really big one, like half the side collapsed. Yeah, the whole road pretty much got wiped out. So you used to be able to go up there, and they had the binoculars that you put the corridor in, and you could you could look down and watch the trucks. And it's funny because from up there, they look like normal-sized vehicles, but you're looking like three-quarters of a mile down into this hole, and they're massive, massive, massive trucks. Yeah, and the the... <clears throat> there was another landslide in January of this year, actually. Um, but that one, I think they said was expected. That was an anticipated wall collapse. Yeah, I think that they ha- they had actually shut it down, waited for it to collapse, and then went in and cleaned it up. Well, and they're constantly reworking the road system, like constantly. They, they have to, because you're, you're digging a pit in the side of a oh, mountain. It was in May. Yeah, and so you're digging a pit in the side of a mountain, like... Uh, those collapses are going to happen. The one in 2013 was completely unexpected. They said it was possibly the largest historic non-volcanic landslide in North America. It was massive. It was. I remember when it happened. I remember how amazed I was. No one was caught in it. At all. Yeah. Well, yeah. Luckily, it was on the side that was less traveled, but they're lucky there wasn't school buses with kids going up to it. Well, they said that mining operations had been shut down pre- the previous day in anticipation of the slide, and there were no injuries. I know that they keep a very close watch on that stuff. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's yeah. not exactly stable anymore. It's not solid ground when you dig all the shit out of it. Yeah. So 1981, <clears throat> when copper prices fell, Standard Oil of Ohio bought Kennecott. Which Standard Oil of Ohio was then bought by BP. Yep, was then bought by BP. Um, and Asakaro that doesn't matter. Uh, purchased the Ray Mine in Arizona from Kennecott. So basically in 1981 Kennecott. Kennecott kind of gets bought up. Kind of gets bought up. And but it stays Kennecott. The thing is with, with all of these resource companies, um, there are, they're just traded. They're just commodities. Right. And so the entire company gets traded pretty easily. There's not a lot of like, uh, crazy regulation that occurs because there's just these big conglomerates like BP, British right. Petroleum owns so many different things. You know, there's another company, FMC, that owns all kinds of different shit out there and owns all kinds of different mines. So, so then 87 British Petroleum buyer buys out Standard Oil and Kennecott now becomes part of the BP Minerals America and then in 1989 Rio Tinto Zinc purchases uh, the mining assets from BP and so from that point on from 1989 till so now it's, it's been Rio Tinto for Rio, a long time Rio yeah because they did the mine the mill the smelter and they did a lot of modernization yeah um Kind of went in and kind of cleaned and Rio up as Tinto's much as you can. Rio Tinto is an Australian company, I think. I yeah. think so. Yeah, Rio Tinto's out of Australia and London, but Australia is their main. Yeah, and and Rio Tinto still owns it. And Rio Tinto, I mean, they they sponsor the soccer stadium, and um, they've only I, I think it's only been within the last ten years that they've really put their name out there locally because they kind of left the mine as the Kennecott Copper Mine for That's a what, long, long and time. And it still is the Kennecott yeah, Copper Mine. But they, they've they now branded everything as Rio Tinto. All so. the trucks, all the vehicles that you see, I'll see. Yeah, all, all the yeah. all the advertising you see is Rio Tinto, but it's the Kennecott Copper Mine run by Rio Tinto. So. And so to this day, to today, uh, the Copper Mine 
produces between 18 and 25% of all the U.S. copper. Yeah, it's number two. Like I said, number two producer of copper in the U.S., um, which is which is quite significant. It's a big part of Utah's economy. Um, so one little very, very interesting side story I want to talk about real quick. Um, in 1949, three of the executives for Kennecott were in Alaska making their way back to the United States. Uh, September 9th, 1949, uh, they take a flight leaving uh, Montreal, Canada. Nineteen, uh, not nineteen. An hour into the flight, uh, the plane blows up and kills everyone on board. When they do the research, um, there was a woman on board who was supposedly unfaithful to her husband, and her husband put a bomb in his in her suitcase, not knowing that the, had nothing to do with the, the Kennecott people. But he basically kills his wife and the and the person she was fucking probably right and so but but in 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 doing so the three top heads of Kennecott at the time the president the the retiring president new president and vice president were all on board and it killed all of them so they had to do some quick shuffling around but it was interesting because it was also known as the very first what are they they call it the first like in air terrorism act in the United States is what they declared it as because they were searched in Canada eh? a, and it's a private jet so it says since the early 1900s Canada has spent more than 400 million on cleanups cleanup efforts on the affected areas to avoid regulatory laws that would have placed them on the Superfund national priorities list yeah i mean they're they're constantly skirt i mean like any big natural resource producer they're constantly skirting environmental regulations as close as they can to keep their profits as high as possible because copper i mean copper is not cheap uh but copper is um cheaper when you're talking the 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 weights that that it's produced at tons you know it's gold is measured in ounces copper is measured in metric tons and so you know the while copper what we think about copper is expensive it's it's considerably cheaper as a as a as an earthen mineral at the the production level, uh, so it, you know you try to cut your costs anywhere you can. And it, uh, Kennecott, most of that stuff is only refined to a degree, but then it's sent to manufacture. So they're not actually making copper pipe. And, nope, they're they're just giving the, they're they're refining the ore and then sending that ore out the to raw be, product. Yeah, to to be made into whatever. Um, I'm interested where the future of copper goes. Um, you know, it's, it is, uh, just open up your walls. It's your pipes. You know, that has changed in the last 10 years. To Anymore, the, they don't use copper. They at all. use the, the PEX. PEX. Yeah, the PEX stuff, uh, which is a less rigid PVC, essentially. It's easier to replace. It's easier to repair. It's easier to put. Yeah. You don't have to solder it. It doesn't. Yeah, you, the soldering is a big part because it's got, you can shut off it. Controlled sections. It's just overall, it's a lot easier to do. A lot easier to work long term. I'm really not sure how it's going to hold up like long, long term. Yeah, but, but copper. I mean, copper replaced iron as the the preeminent internal home fixture. Uh, iron and lead, right? So right. yeah, lead. Yep. And then cast iron because it was cast iron and lead for a long time, and copper replaced that and, in terms of pipes. But all the wiring in your house is copper. Yep. Phone lines were copper. Um, you know, your components elect- in your computers. Yeah, your electronic devices have copper all over the place in them. They yep. are a copper is a fantastic conductor of copper and gold. 
Yeah, gold as well. But do you think with the nanotechnology stuff that, that's coming through that, that that will become less prevalent, or do you think that that'll still be? Um, so it kind of depends on how things shake shake out. Um, you know, that's the where microcomputing is right now. So I don't think a lot of people realize how many transistors are shoved into a microchip these days. Um, we're, we're talking billions are, are on a microchip, and they're at a really small nanoscale now. So a nanometer is one, uh, one, one billionth of a meter. It is, it, it, your, your human hair is measured in micrometers and nano is, is, is beyond that. Um, but so the, there's a couple different things that are occurring. So we're down to, for Moore's law to continue to, uh, exist, we have to become smaller. We're, we're down to where they're now creating, what are called single atom field effect transistors. So transistors are essentially a way to, it's, it's how ones and zeros form on your computer. I'm not going to get into it, but single atoms are now being used as transistors. So the transistor is the size of a single atom. One nanometer, uh, is, is where we're at. Um, once we figure out a way to mass produce those, like we have the others, um, then you start talking about materials and the, 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 Penultimate material has always been silicon. Silicon with a lot of copper wiring because silicon can be either a conductor or it can be um, uh, a non-conductive material based on basically what you mix with the silicone. So one of the things happening in the nanotechnology world is they're experimenting with other other materials like carbon. Carbon at the nanoscale can be made to have semiconductor materials properties. And carbon nanotubes in particular, which is a, a specific structure that has been discovered and created, um, if they're aligned properly, conduct better than copper. And and so one of the things that is being discussed is in computing, can carbon at the nanoscale replace silicone chips? Because it's organic, it's cheap, it's less, there's less problematic than the silicon in terms of, um, uh, of getting rid of it. And you can use carbon nanotubes, which are also at the nano scale, in place of copper wire to move energy from one transistor to another. And less energy is lost along the way. Yeah. So, and this, the discussion is can carbon nanotubes eventually replace copper wiring in homes? Because it is more rigid. Uh, one of the things is, um, ballistic electron transport. So this might be difficult to explain, but think of uh, transporting energy, so electricity through a copper wire. So when you transmit through a copper wire, every let's just blow it up into a big scale. Let's say you have a foot of copper wire. Well, every so often that copper wire, an electron as you're transmitting electricity is lost. It goes into the copper. And that happens. That's why we have big power grids and we lose so much electricity from the source all the way to your house. Tons of electricity is lost just in trans transmitting it. Carbon nanotubes, it can go, electricity can go a thousand times further before the electrons lost than it does in copper. So I'm curious what the future is yeah. going to hold for copper. Mm -hmm. well, copper can only be refined down so thin and still Still be, still be a like conductor. That. It can only go so thin. So I'm, I'm really curious. Uh, I think we're still, you know, in terms of replacing computer opponent components, we're in the next couple of years and we'll see what that really, what happens there. Cause there's other stuff that could happen where copper still, still reigns supreme. In terms of replacing household stuff, I mean, we could, we could be talking 10, 15 years stops, I would think. Well, what's cool about that is we, we kind of talked a little bit about 
some of the environmental impact that this has had, but like there've been some, some interesting things besides just like the tailing ponds and stuff. Like there were sulfur dioxide gas emissions from the smokestacks that affected crops around the state that the courts had to get involved in and rule that they couldn't do that anymore. Then, you know, they find out about the high levels of asbestos, um, being used in the refining process and how that affected. And that was just in 1989. So, this stuff is this this stuff that's been happening for over a hundred years is is some of it's just now coming to light the the poor environmental impact that it's having and in hopes that we replace it with with cleaner things like like the carbon tubes all the nanotechnology all of those are produced in cleaner manners they're not. It's just a it's just a cleaner process that hopefully yeah. doesn't contaminate our world well, any more than it already is. And for those of us that live here in Utah, between the Copper Pit and Dugway, it's a wonder any of us are still alive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Copper's we should. Very toxic. Please don't eat it. I th- yeah. Please don't infuse your water with it. Just in the '90s alone, there were six chemical spills. Yeah, I mean that's so we're doing one of these these. Uh, one of these cards now. They brought up last week and, and you did. What's the only thing worse than having diarrhea, Chris? Is this a dad joke? Yep. Motherfucker. Uh, I don't know what, Jeremy. Having to spell it. That is true. <laughs> actually, that's actually <laughs> My really, mom used to have a friend that and is she called true. it diarrhea. <laughs> diarrhea. Daria. Diarrhea. I love that show. Daria was so good. I can't spell diarrhea. All right. Julia, you pick. She's going with the pink card. Stop texting. Stop stalking. Stop checking on that person. Just fucking stop. That's funny because you've been texting. Yeah, the whole she's time been on her phone like the last. Spend hour. your time on someone worth it. Don't waste it on ridiculousness. So are we not worth it? Or is it no, saying, saying that my you phone's should, not worth it? You should spend your time on us because we are worth it. Have anything to now. contribute, <laughs> Bree? What kind of trees have fingers? Uh, green ones. Palm trees. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. Can we really not do that? <laughs> no, let's do it. That's the last time we're going to do that this year. <laughs> this year. This that's, year. That's the last one this year. That's you another, just me last that's another dad joke, by the way. See you next year. Yeah. See you next year. <laughs> no, so I will be next year by the time you guys hear us again. Um, but I want to, so one of the things that, that I do, uh, I make everyone else do, uh, every year, uh, for the last show of the year. Um, it's just to think back to, you know, what we did this year and what maybe your favorite thing or the most interesting thing or the thing that you hated most that we did over this last year. So I'd say one of the things that I enjoyed the most was when the Hive opened up, when they very first opened, was that June-ish? Oh, when they did their Kickstarter. It June, yep. And the Kickstarter, and we went on site and we were able to interview... Uh, Jen and Derek, and then um, Bean Hole guy Jeff Jed Jed from the Bean. That was clearly you don't drink his coffee because you would remember his name. We bring him the beans, but that that was probably one of his beans are so good. Yeah, that was probably one of the funnest things I thought that we did this year. We did a lot of cool stuff, but that was nice. We got to talk to a bunch. We got to talk to Jasmine from um, uh, Hello Bulk. Uh, and a few other people, and that was, Julia spilled shit all over the board. Yep. Yeah, I knocked over water she on everybody. On it was more board. just on me, and it actually yeah. ended up feeling really good because it was, good so it was hot. hot. 
God, it was it like was 110 hot. degrees that yeah. day. But that uh, doing that is what actually got my business started, and yeah. I got into the market from that's, that. That's what kicked your ass into getting your business yep. started. So that was a from good just a that, little Instagram for fun. That was just that was. I mean, it, it, a lot of things came of it. Uh, a lot of things I think will still come of it, but that was probably one of my favorite things that we did this year. What about you, Julia? Silence isn't good on a podcast. Dad took mine. <laughs> well, so if I'm being honest, it's Julia being on the show. I was going to say, I just she, joined this she, year, so. She just joined this year, and I think that, that goes into, you know, we lost Jess. Uh, she's still, she's still, that sounds bad. <laughs> that sounds bad. She's Jess gone still, forever. Jess is still alive, but Jess left the show. Um, she had a lot going on and, and she needed a break after, you know, five years of doing the show. And, um, you know, we, we brought Julia in so that she can text all day yeah. <laughs> all during the show. Um, but we, we added Julia, uh, which has been pleasant. It's changed. Um, it's definitely changed the dynamic. Yeah. What about, uh, what about you, Brie? I don't know. I don't remember past the show. <laughs> you didn't warn me that so, we were doing this. this your, it was on the show notes. So right? this it your... said 2021 memories. I thought Did it was I... just like for the whole year of anything. <laughs> Did I look at the show notes? No, because that's Probably not what not. I do. The show notes are just for I will personal. say the blog's up to date. Um, uh, also, go check out hotdog-water.com. Oh, yeah, hotdogwater.com. <laughs> yeah. So, break what what this year? There's got to be something that stands out that we I did. I don't remember. Or, or someone that we interviewed. We or got to talk to our dog off. trainer. We got we did. to talk to... We talked you to got him. married. That's yeah, true. but we that's did on a, a podcast an episode on it. We did do a whole episode. We did episode two on episodes it. on it. But, yeah, I mean, but that's not a... That would have happened with no, or without the, the podcast. Recap one? You didn't yeah. like the recap episode? No, I mean it was fine. It's just like like not Jeremy said, it would have it the, the marriage and where it happened and would have happened with All right. we were doing the podcast. Well, you be thinking because yeah. you got to have something. Surely, let's go to Chris. Uh, you know, I, I this has been a great year. I actually really enjoy the historical Utah stuff this year. Um, it really made us, uh, you know. Kind of, kind of figure some stuff out. Um, you know, we talked to, um, we talked to some interesting people that I didn't think would be interesting. So we talked to Chef Looney, who I was like, who the fuck's this guy? The, wow. Like, and then if he listens, he's going to be like, wow, they thought I was going to be boring. Uh, rude. Yeah. Hopefully he does listen. Um, no, there's some, though, there are, there are some guests that beforehand you kind of think, ah. Oh. But they end up to actually be really cool. Yeah, but we got to talk to, uh, you know, one of the things that um, uh, we did this year, um, we uh, talked to, uh, what's his name? The meat pie guy, um, Alberto Diaz. Yeah. Um, you know, and got to hear, we got to hear his story. We got to hear our guest story a couple of weeks ago about their, you know, their immigration stories. Like, I forgot that that happened. Um, you know, that's a, that's a, a, a big deal. We had a lot of good stories this year. Frank's story coming from mm-hmm. Mexico, mm-hmm. coming from nothing to what he's built was super interesting. I, I will say too, the, out of all the historic Utahs that we did, um, the one that was the most, uh, to me, it felt like the most was, what? What is that that keeps happening? <laughs> it's it's Slack. I'm sorry. The people can't hear it. Just you guys can. So ignore <laughs> it, it. It sounds like the the aliens okay, are coming but, to get us. <laughs> but just ignore it because no one can hear it but us. I'm sorry. I, I don't even have it open. It just does that. Uh, anyway, um, is the Topaz Mountain stuff. 
yeah, going man. deep on Topaz Mountain. I think it's something that we, I think we did a really good job talking about Topaz Mountain at length. It's a really big stain on our history, but I think it's an important one well, to to discuss. And, and talk if you about. remember, Farmer Luke, part of his new addition, part of the barn in his new addition came from wood from Topaz Mountain. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because he had a farmer friend who dismantled one of the buildings and had all of that wood. And when they were doing the addition, he asked him, hey, do you need some wood? You can come get it. <coughs> Excuse me. So he went and got it and found out that it was, it was from Topaz Mountain. <laughs> so uh, I, I want to talk about one of my least favorite shows of the, the year. <laughs> Is it, uh, uh, what's this dumbass, the football dude that became one of our centers? No, that was last year. Um, uh, it was uh, Jarvis. <laughs> John Jarvis, DJ Jarvisius. Is that just uh, hard for you? Uh, it was weird. Um, so for those of you that don't know, and probably most of you don't know. Unless so, you listen to the episode and remember it. No, I don't even think we talked we didn't about talk it. About, we talked about it a little we, bit uh, after. Or did we talk about it? it. it was, that was a difficult show for me. So before I met my lovely wife, Brie, um, there was another Brie in my life. So We I, call her Old Brie. Yeah, Old Brie or Bad Brie. Uh, Brie with two E's for some reason, and her name was Brianna, not Brenda. Um, well, Brenda, Brie isn't really short for Brenda. I just hate I Brenda. I don't know a single Brianna or Brianna. That's not uh, trouble. So. But, but, <laughs> so I dated her for eight years. She was a Magna person. Um, you know, she lived. You don't need to say anything more. I, I, I helped put her through <laughs> school. Um, and, and she was a radio DJ and became a pole dance instructor and probably cheated on me like the last four years we were together at least. Um, and, um, she broke up with me after she broke up his first marriage, uh, and they got engaged. <laughs> and so, wow. Yeah. Not a, not an easy guy for me to interview even years later. Um, I have no contact with bad Brie. Like, I don't know what happened. She clearly, well, you sort of do every once in a while you run into her family at the Kearns, or I guess it's the West Valley yeah, the grocery Walmart, store Walmart and they love you. Um, but I, it was a, that was a tough interview for me, uh, cause of the experience that I've, you know, never really talked to, I talked to him a little bit about it afterwards. Uh, but I even think he talked in the interview about a really tough time in his life where he went through, uh, you know, some stuff, uh, and that stuff I believe was with her, her. <laughs> without him being specific. Uh, and so. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was a tough one for me. Um, so that's one that I, I won't forget, um, because it was just, you know, difficult. Thinking back over all of our interviews, even Burgess Owen. That's who I was trying to remember. There, there, I think there, there have been aspects of every single interview we've ever done over the last getting close to six years that has been interesting, enjoyable, find new things, learn new things, and even some of them that, weren't the best i still don't think there were any that i have said oh i wish we wouldn't have ever interviewed that person yeah i mean there there might be one or two over those years that i think were like 20 minutes long and we cut them pretty short because they weren't great there was a couple that they but, would give one word answers so you're from utah yep. yep well where were you born here salt lake so <laughs> but luckily the, the most i would say probably 90 percent of our interviews well, and we've gotten really good over the years at getting them to open up, getting them to talk to us more. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, 
we've had I don't I don't think that in the last few years we've had any really bad ones because even with Burgess Owens it was a good interview. It's, his football stuff was interesting and yeah, hearing his story, his rags to riches um, to rags again. You know, every time he tried to tell us we were Marxists was interesting because I don't he didn't really understand who he was sitting in a room with. So yeah, um, I'm a Republican now though, so <laughs> so know. it's okay now. There's an R next to my voting record now. All right, how about you, Bree? Back to you. I don't. Did we? Was it this year that we talked about the Eccles? Yeah, yeah, no, no, that was no. that would have been last year. Good yeah. echoes, bad echoes. Apparently, nothing of interest in twenty twenty one for me. <laughs> twenty, the last couple years, I will say this: the last couple years, twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, have very much melded together because of COVID, because of the pandemic, all the restrictions. Like, even we're two years later, and we still have guests that come in masks. Which is fine. We're all totally okay with it, and we're willing to put on masks oh, yeah. if guests want us to wear them while we're here. We've had episodes that we've had to do fully on Skype because I got COVID, and I was trying not to get everyone else sick except my wife. Um, you know, that's, it's that was Bray's favorite episode when she was sick. <laughs> it's been difficult, for sure. Actually, uh, my worst episode was probably right after my surgery, the episode where I was upstairs. Oh, yeah. And I, like had like this horrible like panic slash pain attack and just closed it and like yep. nobody came and checked because nobody realized that there was a problem and then afterwards I was just like in horrendous amounts of pain and that was yeah. if, if we're doing worst ones that was my worst <laughs> that's fine that's a memorable one for you as for I was sure. flipping through this though I just found that uh, on 243 we interviewed Jimmy oh Santangelo. Santangelo and I think that that was fun because I still want to take one of his classes or do one of his things because he'll come to your house or you can go there and they still do the tours around the city that that you can do i I think that that would be fun uh yeah i definitely don't want wine in a can though that's sulfur i can't do it i think it's disgusting and i understand like i'm glad he was able to explain it but it's still gross i'm sorry jimmy it's nasty (laughs) um but anyway, yeah, lots of change um, and lots of kind of the same mushed together, honestly. So um, I don't I don't know. It's been a good year. It's been slightly better than last year. It's honestly it's been a fantastic year for me. I have had it's hard to talk about because there's a lot of people that haven't had great years. I've had a fucking fantastic year, um, you know, professionally in my career. Uh, it's one of the best years I've experienced. Um, you know, my, my business has grown dramatically. Um, you know, my personal business has kind of been put on hold to grow this other business, but it still operates. I'm still, uh, I'm still making money in my other business. Uh, I just don't have as much time as I'd like to devote to it. Um, it's been a very busy year for me. I don't have a lot of time, but, uh, overall 2021 has been very good to me. Um, What was your favorite part of 2021? Um, when I want a TV. <gasps> Not when I went to Kauai and married you, my love. I was waiting for that. I was given, I was given him the That's eyes. That's why I was trying to think of which was a, which was something else that would be like more like right in your face. Oh, I didn't talk about, oh, okay, I have to talk about this. Do you guys have any other things from 2021 that you want to talk about? No, I think that's. So I put the Christmas updates, the Christmas recaps. I want to tell you about how awesome my owner is. 
So when I say I've had a good year, our business Did we do this last week? We couldn't have because it didn't happen. It was on Wednesday. That's right. So. Um, oh, yeah, we've had a really good year. We talked about we it at the movie. We talked about but, it after. Yeah, so we've had a really good year in my company, um, like an extremely good year. So last year in 2020, we were recognized uh, this year from from last year's performance as being one of the top 5,000 companies in the country for growth. We grew over 500% year over year last year. We've grown more this year. So it's been really hard. We put in a lot of hard work. The The, the company itself has grown quite a bit. Um and, you know, when a company grows like that, th- there are things that can happen. So a lot of times, um, you know, the owner is the one, you know, the owner is the, the owner of the company and they're the ones that reap the rewards of, of growth like that. Um, and you can, you know, you can make more money, you can get bonuses, but at the end of the day, the owner doesn't owe you anything, right? The head of the business doesn't owe you anything in terms of like that profit sharing. Technically speaking, you get your paycheck. That's your agreement. Exactly. And so, um, when, when you have a really good year like that, though, um, you know, a, a good owner really pays back his people. And so, uh, Mike, who is, who is the owner of, of our company and, and several others, uh, Mike wanted, he's, he is a, he is a huge fan of his employees. He he really values them and values what they do. And so um, two weeks ago, the week before Christmas, on a Saturday evening, he calls up his executive staff, his, his C-suite basically, and says, hey, I have an idea that I want to make happen before Christmas for my staff or for, for my employees. Um, and it was a really crazy idea. It's funny because this was this was the, the week uh, before Christmas we were doing – uh, strategic planning for the next year. So these are, these are long, like eight to 10 hour long offsite meetings that all the senior leadership meets at, discusses, you know, where we want to head, what our numbers are going to look like, um, what initiatives we want to start, you know, what goals we have as a company, what the mission needs to change to be, and what we need to do structurally to meet that. They're really intense meetings, uh, and we always start them off with an icebreaker. And, and the icebreaker, one of the days, uh, was one word adjective to describe the person to your right. Well, Mike was the person to my right, my CEO. And I don't, I'm, if you know me, <laughs> I don't give a shit who you are or what your position is. I will tell you honestly what I think. And the one word adjective I had for him was scatterbrained. Uh, because he is, because he has ideas all the time and he can't stay focused on one thing, but he stayed focused on this and he was really excited. And it was like a week and a half that, uh, our chief of staff and, and a few others had to kind of set this up. So, uh, as it rolls out, uh, Wednesday, we have, so Wednesday before Christmas, we have, uh, a, a company meeting, a company get together. So we go offsite to a hotel. There is an open bar. There are hors d'oeuvres. Uh, we get there. They shut down the office a little early. Uh, everything starts at five. People are getting there at like 4.30 to start drinking and stuff. And Mike gets there. And what we have is a stage set up. There's a big giant thing with sheets on it. There's a couple of pieces of cardboard, um, like poster board things. And then there's a table that's got 10 other pieces of poster board with boxes with slits. And when we came in, we all got uh, a ticket that had our name on it, like our basically our name badges for all intents and purposes uh, printed out. And then a number of blue raffle tickets based on how many years we've been with the company. So uh, anywhere from one to five tickets, you know, from, you know, one to four years all the way up to 20 plus. And so um, he proceeds to 
expose all of the awards that he is giving out um, for the 10 different awards, the smaller awards. And so there's a, a Peloton bike, there's a refrigerator, there's a brand new washer and dryer, there's uh, a new iPhone, there's one carat diamond stud earrings, there's a gaming system, there's a... Those some good lower level gifts. 65 inch TV, there's this crazy Dyson package with, I don't know, some fucking crazy hair thing for ladies and their most expensive vacuum they sell. So all these gifts are worth like Probably around $1,500, roughly. Oh, and then there was a, a, a MacBook Air. Uh, and there were 10 total. I think I might have listed them all. Um, but then he says, so you're going to come up and you're going to put your white ticket. Everyone has one white ticket. You're going to put your white ticket in the box with the, the gift that you want to win, the award that you want to win. He's like, and I know you're going to be tempted to kind of play the game to see where everyone goes. And then... You know, put your name in the one with the least amount of stuff so you might have a better chance of winning. Don't do that. I want you to, I want you to really try to win the award that you want the most. So you have five minutes. So everyone puts their, their tickets in. It's a organized movement up and everyone puts their tickets in. And I'm having a hard time deciding because I'm like, I don't really need a lot of this stuff. Like I, I'm not, I just wanted the Peloton, but we have nowhere to put it. Yeah, that was the one thing that I was like, well, I'm like, I already have a diamond studs for Brie. I'm like, well, you know, I need, and then I'm thinking practically, I need a new TV in my office because the one that's in there is dying. He's thinking um, practically, but he's not paying attention to the size, the size of the TV. size or anything else. So <laughs> anyway, it's a 65 inch TV. It's the same one that's in our, our family room, uh, same size, uh, but it's a nice like ultra 4K, like UHD, uh, OLED TV, uh, really nice TV. Uh, so he proceeds to draw names. Now, this is awesome because my, my department, my team that I manage is, is roughly 10% of our U.S. based employees. Um, really small team in comparison to some of the other groups. We win four of the 10 prizes, <laughs> <laughs> which is freaking awesome. I feel fantastic, uh, about, about that. Uh, and everyone's like super happy. And everyone's, you know, the one stood up there and then they come sit down and, um, and, and Mike says, um, do you guys really think that I would just have you come here for a drawing? And we were all like at that point, like, well, yeah, that's, you just fucking gave away <laughs> like somewhere between 10 and $15,000 worth of shit to people. Like everyone had equal chances. Like that's, that's amazing. That's really cool. Like who, do, like that's not something every company does. Uh, that's, that's really cool. And he's like, I wouldn't do that. He's like, if I just wanted to give a handful of prizes away with a drawing, I would have just done it in the office. Like, I didn't make you come down to the hotel and, and give you drinks and hors d'oeuvres. He said, so my, my gift to you, my award to you guys for an outstanding year is whatever box you put your ticket in, you get that prize. That's awesome. It was really cool because there's a couple that works for Chris. Well, not directly for Chris. I think one, one of, of them does. does. But they needed a washer dryer, so they both put their ticket in to double their chances. And Mike was like, "Why don't you go put your ticket in something else?" So they got the washer and dryer they needed, and then and whatever they, else they wanted. That's afterwards. awesome. Yeah. So I mean, that's fucking cool. So every staff member got, uh, and 114 employees, everyone got um, something, something, and not something small. It wasn't like walking home with a fucking five dollars Starbucks gift card. <laughs> these are these are pretty significant awards. Betcha, what brought your washer and dryer a few months uh, ago? So then he goes up on stage. I'm picky about my stuff. I Yeah, I don't know. So he goes up on stage and um, he says, now, 
you have to have worked with the company for at least a year to be eligible for these prizes. That's why some of you didn't get blue tickets. That's only fair. I can't, I can't have you have the same chance if you've been here for two weeks. You've already been, you've already, you've already been given something awesome for, for your two weeks of service. Um, I I just want to make it. My company does that. If you've been there two days, uh, when they give out bonuses, again, you get the same as the person uh, that's been there again, for 30 years. He did that. Ours is based on how long you've been there, so it grows so, yeah. every year. Yeah. So, so, uh, so then he, re- so he says, you all have blue raffle tickets that, that have them and your name's on them. Everyone's going to come put them into this box. So we all put them in the box. And you have a, the number based on how many years you've been so there. So one to four years is one all the way up to five, four, 20 plus years. Uh, and, and, uh, there are people that have been there for 25 plus years. Uh, and so, um, then he, he reveals the first price. It's a $10,000 all expenses paid vacation anywhere you want in the world. That's so awesome. So he gave away a $10,000 dream vacation to an employee. So he draws a raffle ticket. It's random low level floor worker guy from our provider relations group who is shy as shit, doesn't want to come up. He's like hiding behind the poster board. It was like really kind of nice. Um, but he's a super shy dude, but it's like, that's, that's fucking awesome. Uh, so then he reveals the next price. It's a $10,000 shopping spree to RC Willie. So Robin, uh, wins that and, and Brie knows Robin. We've been to some, some parties and stuff with her and Brie worked with we her were, for insurance. Yeah. Um, but Robin has been with the company, I think almost 25 years, maybe more. Wow. And so really cool. You get someone who's been there for like two and someone who's been there for 25, uh, is a, you know, it's, it's cool to see that split. So the last thing that he does is they pull off the sheets. I'm still sour <laughs> over this one. He gave away a brand new 2022 Honda CRV hybrid. <laughs> Which, if I had a car to pick right now, is the car that I would get. And so he gave, he gave that away. Uh, and it went to, uh, one of our directors, uh, Nicole, who is, uh, uh, she's pregnant. She's due in, in March. In March, I think, uh, maybe April, but I think it's, I think it's mid-March. No, I think the lady, the first up for Santa was due in April. Yeah. So she's due in mid-March. Um, really cool. Just like, like he just gave a fucking new car away, all taxes and everything paid. Uh, just because we've had an awesome year and he wanted to give back to all his employees something more than just a paycheck. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's funny because they just bought a car. So they're going to sell their truck, pay off the car that they just bought, and they'll have two brand new cars with no car payment. That's awesome. That's fucking great. Right Um, before they have to start paying for for a baby. baby. So, so people, I mean, people will ask me, like, it's, it's funny, you know, when we do, when we interview for high level positions, oftentimes it's me and a couple of our other senior management that will do an interview. And I get asked a lot because I think it's just in like, Interview training 101, they tell you to ask why people are with the company. These are the kind of things that make a company worth being with because obviously I could run my own business. I could, I could, I've got offers to go other places. Uh, and I don't because this is, it's awesome to be in a company uh, and be part of a company that's growing like this and to work for someone that is that in tune with, with being able to, to do stuff for his employees. I've worked at places and it's been a long time since yeah, I've worked for other people, but, <laughs> but I've worked at, I've worked at places which shall remain unnamed at the moment. The economy is tanking. People are losing their jobs left and right. They go out and buy a $15 million condo on Malibu. Yeah, exactly. Instead of giving anything. And then lay people off. And then lay people off. So, so, so to see the, the, 
the opposite end of that spectrum is nice. That's a nice thing to see. And this is a this is a guy we've never taken venture capital money. It's been privately owned in its entire forty plus year history. And this is a guy who has said we need to slow our growth down because it's not sustainable at the level that it's at. We need to fix our internal stuff. I'm willing to take a huge hit on profitability this year uh, to make everything to run. do that to spend a lot of money on the company uh, and to make things better for everyone and to make it run smoother so that our employees aren't as burned out and don't have to work as hard to do the same amount of stuff. Uh, and that's really cool. So I, I know that was a long story about how awesome my work is. <laughs> um, but it's, I think it's a great story. I think it's worth sharing. It was funny how many posts I saw on Facebook from staff after that happened about, what new thing that they were going to get and how awesome their boss was. You're friends with your coworkers on Facebook? Yeah, it's a lot of them. <laughs> I'm not, I don't care. Look, you see how much shit I post on Facebook? I post like nothing on Facebook. It's not about that. I just like to see what they're doing. Some people don't hate everyone they work with, Bree. <laughs> I don't hate everyone I they work with. You can't say that. The she face might, you're making says might, otherwise. I just, I'm... I'm just not friends with them either. Yeah, it's just not a thing. But I, 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 you know, some of them I've gone out and had drinks with and stuff after work. So also, I mean, that's I've the had, kind of company I've had drinks in. with some of them too. I'm still not friends on Facebook. I think I have like 25 or 30 friends on Facebook. It's also worth mentioning the bar line was way longer than the food line. <laughs> oh, I bet. Well, it was funny because a lot of Chris's team doesn't drink. And so then they gave Chris their tickets, but Chris had to drive home. And so he was just handing out I holiday was handing cheer. Out holiday cheer to people. So, cause yeah, most, a lot of my, like a lot of my programmers are like old Mormon guys. And so it was an open bar to an extent. Like there, you got two free drinks basically for the two hours and you could pay that cash. That makes sense because that's responsible drinking if you're driving. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, the bartender walked away after about an hour and a half and we just free poured our own shit. But I won't say where we were at because they aren't supposed to do that. Even in a private event. <laughs> kind of like at the Luau in Hawaii. Yeah. Where they were checking people at the beginning. By the end of the night, they were just pouring anything for anyone. Yeah. Just, because they there had were like kids two, with alcohol. Keep the, the line There moving. were not kids with alcohol. <laughs> there were not small children with alcohol, I promise you. Not little kids. I'm talking like teens. Young adults. How do you know? How do you know that they just didn't because look Because a bunch of people in our group who are teens were drinking. <laughs> who? I'm not telling you. I, I, I doubt you. Hannah was. I doubt Allie was. Yeah, it wasn't. My the, girls aren't teens. They're hey, both over It wasn't the Mormon kids. Uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, but she doesn't count. <laughs> she's still only 18. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's that's it. That's it for the year. That's it for the night, the episode, the year. Thanks, well, people. It's been a wonderful year, and hopefully next year is just as great. Yeah, we're not. already booked out into April. So yeah, we're excited, exciting new things. We're changing some stuff up. So it should be a fun year. We always like to change stuff up and, and adjust. And, um, you know, here's to, uh, we're not finding new sound bites though, because that's too hard. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not hard. If you tell me exactly where they're at, it's not hard to do, but, uh, y'all ain't going to do that. So, <laughs> and I ain't going to find them for you. So, uh, have a good new year. Uh, please be safe. Um, you know, don't get COVID. I don't think it really matters if you get COVID now. Honestly, Omicron's not going to put you in the hospital from what I can tell. So, um, get vaccinated if you haven't, because even though it doesn't stop the transmission of COVID, uh, it definitely makes it so you're sick for a couple of days and you're over it. Um, especially if you're fat like me 
Um, that's a good reason to get a vaccine or if you're old. I was sick longer than you with COVID. That's true. That just means I, I got more fat to absorb it. <laughs> that's how it works. You, it's a double-edged sword. Like, it absorbs it better, but also it leads to comorbidities. So, so, so get vaccinated and put on some weight, people. Yep. Keep that COVID-19 going. I got that one. I took care of that. What? You almost fucking choked yourself out. No, right there. I didn't. I just, my headset is giant for my head. 